Ernest brought Hugo around here is treated like a god. I mean, I'll never find out what he could really do. I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show. I am your host, Billy Powell. You are listening to this on keepingthenostalgialive.podbean.com. That's keepingthenostalgialive, all one word, .podbean.com. Uh, please feel free when you get done with this interview today to uh, um, explore our, our website. And, and we have about 150 interviews, uh, people like Kent Benson, Rick Mount, uh, Coach Gene Cady. Uh, the list goes on and on of uh, anybody who's played this great game of basketball from the state of Indiana. Uh, and with that being said, um, just this past, I guess it was the 20th of uh, March. Uh, it is April Fool's Day today, but uh, we're going to go back to the 20th of March, which uh, uh, the um, gentleman that we have on, Coach Scott Combs, uh, who is assistant coach for the Moorhead State University Eagles, uh, was um, put on the um, 2019 Men's Silver Anniversary Team, which is a, a pretty high honor. Um, and Coach Combs is going to join us. I know you're a very busy man, Coach Combs. Thanks for joining us and spending some time talking about this game of basketball, where you were born and raised, and your love for the game. Thanks a bunch for having me, Billy. Uh, Coach, what, what, you know, we're right, the Final Four is next weekend for the NCAA. What, what goes through a college coach's mind that uh, is not playing, of course, in any more uh, games for the year when you watched – uh, the Elite Eight go down to that Final Four. What goes through the mind of a basketball coach watching those teams get to the Final Four? Well, I, I tell you, but regarding me, it, it's probably not much different than anybody that's uh, been a fan or played or, or coached or whatever. We're all, uh, you know, it probably takes us back to when we were kids. This tournament is, uh, or was special, and it continues to be special. And just the excitement of, you know, getting up that morning, watching those games, and then seeing who's going to end up at that Final Four, you know, uh, we're no different than anybody else. The heart rate starts beating when those games tip, and then all the way to the end. Of course, when you're, you know, in the, uh, the coaching profession, you sure would love to still be playing, but uh, it's also, you know, it, it does just take you back to to when you were young, and it's a special time of year. Uh, so, so do college basketball coaches fill out brackets? <laughs> <laughs> no, we we don't get to fill out the brackets, but uh, mentally, I think you know we all look and and uh, you know again, this is just coming from me. I'm I'm an underdog guy, so when we're watching those games, of course we're we're pretty neutral when it comes down to it. But you always want to see a good game and. And uh, you know some type of an ending where there might be a special player to him. We sure have have seen a few of those over the past couple of weeks. Uh, do you have a uh, do you have a win do you have a winner possibly for this upcoming Final Four, or is it you just enjoy watching the games? I just enjoy watching the games. You know, you try not to to get into it. Uh, you know, too deep. You know, yet we all have our our coaches that we probably have looked up to, or even the programs. You know, going back to Again, when we were kids, a lot of that stuff uh, develops at an early age. And, and it is neat to see the four teams left right now. Uh, some are new to it, and I think it's going to be an exciting Final Four. 
Coach, tell us a little bit about, uh, give every, the listeners a, a little bit about of uh, where you're from and uh, who introduced you to the game of basketball. Okay. Well, I did grow up uh, in Indiana, in my hometown, uh, where I, I learned uh, uh, and went to elementary, middle school, and my freshman year of high school was Lebanon, Indiana, so Lebanon High School. My dad was uh, principal there for you know 20 plus years. He had started out. Uh, him and my mom went to Indiana Central University, and they were educators. So they they quickly moved around the state, ended up at Brownsburg, and then uh, well, we went to Lebanon. So my uh, roots start there. And lucky for me, you know, my my dad was was 5'10", uh, a good athlete, played college football, some different sports, but my mom was 5'10". So I happened to get uh, some height from her side of the family, and at an early age, I think they both recognized that, uh, you know, uh, with, with some height and a little bit of skill, the sport to play, especially in Indiana, was going to be basketball. So I was really fortunate and lucky, uh, and to grow up during a time when, you know, uh, I think the thing to do was was probably be outside, whether at the park or just shooting hoops in the driveway. And uh, I got to learn from a lot of, you know, really good people. And uh, that's how I started my probably love for the game. Uh, in the high school days, we we did move to Southern Indiana down to Paoli, where that's where I call home now. So I was fortunate uh, enough to grow up, you know, around uh, two good communities that that had some really good support for the game of basketball and lucky for me I was uh, I was able to play and, and uh, score a few points now uh, being you know from Lebanon uh, uh, for a while uh, ever while you were out and playing on those courts in the Lebanon area you see Rick Mountain what a what a great basketball uh, a rich tradition Lebanon was oh it really was and and I I got to I got to see some special moments you know as a kid with Coach Jim Rosen still. I know he coached, uh, you know, uh, Rick and the Walker brothers. We could probably name drop, uh, you know, all day long. But really some special times when those gymnasiums were were filled. And uh, with my dad being the principal, I was right there, you know, every every game. And uh, just, just the really special moments that took place there. You know, yeah, I would we would go down to the park. Uh, but I was also very fortunate that my dad had the keys to the gym. So whether it was a high school, you know, middle school, elementary school, uh, and I had a lot of good friends and, and even the guys that uh, were just a little bit older than me, the ones that, that really taught you how to play. And, and uh, uh, you know, I just had a really, really good experience. But I was fortunate that, that Rick and his son Richie, uh, just a few years older than me, we're in the gym quite often, and it was really neat when they would come over and uh, help you out with your follow-through and your footwork. Uh, you know, that that's pretty special. Yeah, Rick is a really good guy, and so is Richie, and so is his grandson, Jordan. Jordan's a really good guy, too. Yeah, what a, what a basketball family. Uh, and, and, you know, when you say you're from Lebanon, you always drop home a Rick Mount. Uh, those that uh, that know basketball, uh, they, they know that uh, they know you mean business. So, so did you play freshman? Did you play basketball at Lebanon? You played basketball at Lebanon for one year. I played my freshman year, and I was lucky. Uh, again, I was on a really good team. Uh, I was able to start every game, and, and uh, you know, uh, 
have some success with some really good guys and and you know that's not always easy to do but at the end of the year my mom uh, was a teacher and we were trying to get her back into the school system and and at that time it was a little tough to get into the Lebanon community she was in Indianapolis at the time so we had a tough decision to make and and it was not easy at all we we dearly miss Lebanon and uh, we go up there often to see some really close friends but the decision we did make following our freshman year was was to move down to Paoli. So I'm able to call uh, a couple of different towns home, and and uh, very lucky for that. The Paoli Rams. What what kind of what kind of uh, transition did you really have to make? Did you, uh, I mean you know you're you're going to a new school, uh, uh, new teammates? Was it an easy transition? You know, it it was really easy. Uh, from the standpoint of, of everybody welcoming our family in, uh, and it was tough to leave Lebanon. You know, as a sixth, seventh, eighth grader, even our freshman year, we were primed to be a pretty special team. And I was glad that they were able to continue that success so much that the, our senior year they they won the sectional. And you know how important that is, especially during uh, the Big One class era. But Paley, you know, welcomed our family in, and. Uh, you know, we kind of hit the ground running. It was a little bit of a smaller town, smaller community, but uh, they had some success previous to my time there, and then we were able to piggyback on that, and uh, we had quite a ride ourselves. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about the uh, area where Paoli is. You know, Paoli is in between you know, Bloomington and uh, Louisville, and it's uh, in the Potoka Lake Athletic Conference. It's kind of tucked away over there by French Lake, and, and uh, there's some, some really good support, some really good basketball that takes place over there. Uh, you know, the teams that we, we had to juggle our schedule around a little bit just to, you know, probably uh, uh, play some of the bigger schools in the state every now and then, uh, play somebody out of state. But, you know, Paley is a, is a nice community, and they've, uh, they've had some success uh, since my time there. And this year they, they were able to fill the gym for – uh, the regional and it it brought back some really good memories to see you know five thousand people you know in uh, in the gym at one time. Who was in Paoli sectional while you were there? You know, while I was there, it was the neighboring schools. You know, there's uh, Springs Valley, there's Orleans, uh, West Washington, uh, Salem, uh, just to name a few. But it was a it was a good competitive sectional, and then our regional. Uh, went over to uh, Washington where we got to play at the Hatchet House. Yeah, I know there's a couple of, uh, 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 I guess I guess one person really stands out on that Springs Valley basketball uh, tradition, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, is it being in that area and, uh, you know, having a restaurant named after you or, you know, a street <laughs> named Larry Bird, uh, very special. And, uh, you know, again, uh, the, the area that we grew up in and, during our time of growing up, uh, he was you know, very, a uh, very, very key player in the NBA, and it was just fun to always say that uh, you know you were you were from his neck of the woods. So, what kind of team when you arrived? Because you guys won three regional championships in a row, if if, I, if I'm not mistaken. You know, we did. I had some some really good teams and and some really really good teammates, good coaches, and and some would probably say that our best team might have been uh, my sophomore year you know you're you're playing with some older older kids that uh, that uh, uh, were, were just 
you know seniors and juniors that that probably did some of the the grind work for you and you know rightly so there was also some talent in those two classes so in our junior year again we followed it up and then our senior year uh, we we kind of led some of those younger kids along but it's something that probably uh, not really easy to do but we were able we were able to win three in a row you know, you see a lot of uh, um, TV shows, movies, and stuff like that where the new kid comes in town. So, uh, were you accepted right off the bat? Did you feel Did you feel like an outsider? Did you feel like you were a part of the program as soon as you stepped foot in the school? I, I felt like, like like part of it. Um, you know, I'm kind of a, a small town kid when it, when it comes to it, and you know, it probably didn't hurt that uh, you know, from a basketball standpoint, they were excited that that uh you know they were getting somebody with with uh you know that was going to be able to score some points and at the same time i think what our family brought was was uh uh you know all kinds of different things that that ended up being some positives you know being just a a family of educators i've got two sisters they're both in education now giving back and teaching in the same system Uh, we were able to just kind of fit in really quickly and uh you know to this day i very glad that, that we did make the move and and glad that uh, we still have some roots there so accepted yes and and definitely uh, glad that uh, we're there coach combs what do you think of you know you got to play in the era of the you know uh, one one true state champion how do you feel about how they changed the game after the 97 season to to classic basketball well i definitely wasn't a fan you know uh Part of it was just uh, you could probably see that it was going to take some time before uh, the classes and, and the rivalries and all that stuff uh, because of, of the change. And, you know, again, growing up with that, the sectional and the regional wins, j- just to show you, you know, those were those were super important. And, and now, not to take anything away, but it is different. Uh, the thing that I am glad as of you know this past year was able to see you know the, a couple of those gyms filling back up and for whatever reason and, and i also do have an appreciation that you know the big schools are separated from the small schools if i had to you know uh, say in it sure i would love to see just the one class but at the same time i do see both sides so it, it's kind of a tough argument there definitely there's there's more winners right now but uh, you know uh, a lot of the states, I think it was just kind of a trend, and and you know to be fair, so there there is one movie, Hoosiers. There was one small town winner, but for for our era to win a sectional and a regional, you know, again, pretty special. What growing up, either it be in Lebanon or when you guys made the move to Paoli, what uh, in uh, in your room did you have? I mean, did you have posters up of basketball players? Is it was there a, a specific basketball player that you enjoyed watching, or you tried to emulate your game after as a youngster? Well, during my time, you know, Larry Bird, of course, and Magic Johnson, and then you know Michael Jordan was was starting to make his way. So I'm, I'm like every other kid, we. We had plenty of posters to go around, but you know we also had had different sports that we followed. You know, I was a, uh, played baseball, um, <laughs> was a swimmer, did some tennis. You know, so from all that, uh, you know, the one sport that I I didn't play, and again, it goes back to probably my folks recognizing that I was going to be you know a little thinner, 
you know, pro- probably not going to be the, the football type, although my dad played some college football. Uh, but I'm still a fan of all the sports. Of course, we would watch from time to time. We would never really overdo it, but I did enjoy as a kid, you know, looking up to, to anybody that I thought was a, was a good role model. And then, you know, I can remember a, a couple of small family trips going to watch a watch a basketball game with the Pacers to going to watch a Colts game to, to a baseball game. So a fan of, of just about everything. When did you get first get on the, um, you know, do you remember that first letter you got from uh, your AD or your basketball coach of someone who was interested in you coming to play basketball for them? Well, I, I was pretty lucky, once again, to grow up just outside of, you know, Indianapolis there in Lebanon. And my dad recognized probably, again, early basketball, I would have a chance. So he would he would take me to uh, to Indianapolis, to Municipal Gardens, just right down the road. Seemed like a 10, 15-minute drive. Every now and then we'd swing over to Anderson, you know, two hotbeds that, you know, I got to, I got to grow up playing against, you know, some, some really good talent and some really good coaches. And then, you know, you get to merge up with some special people. And, and one at a very early age was – was Billy Shepard. His sons were about my age, and we'd play from time to time. So, you know, early, I'd say 10, 11 years old, you start working your way up. And and back then, it seemed like the summer circuit with AAU basketball was really popular. And part of it was because we, we didn't have the, 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 the team camps that you're able to have now. Back when we played, uh, you could only have two uh, per uh, team. And and that's where the summer basketball probably really took off in Indiana. So to answer your question, by the time I was in middle school, uh, whether it was, uh, you know, uh, my high school coach, uh, my summertime coach, you know, we were able to, to go up and I can remember sitting behind the Purdue bench as early as a seventh grader. And uh, I would be there along with my dad and Jim Rosenstill taking in three or four games a year and uh, just enjoying that process. Now, when the letters were able to come in, you know, shortly after, and recruiting's changed a little bit since since my day. But I do uh, recall uh, the Purdue coaches and and the Butler coaches coming into the gyms, uh, you know, when they were allowed, and, and that was always uh, that was always exciting. Did you play for uh, uh, Coach Red Taylor at Municipal Gardens? I, I was just right underneath Fred Taylor. He had coached a couple of the uh, uh, age groups right above me, but he was always around during my practice times. And, uh, you know, again, one, one of those guys that that uh, just you could just tell how to love for the game was a great teacher and a great coach. And to this day, you know, uh, he's one that uh, I look up to. Yeah, great guy. He kind of uh, took I, – I wasn't a, a very good basketball player, and um, I decided to go the athletic training route, and he kind of took me under his wing a little bit, and uh, I traveled with a couple of his, of his teams. But uh, a really great guy, great guy, great coach. He actually, actually, if you could put an AAU coach in a Hall of Fame, he, I think he would deservedly be uh, um, uh, in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, in my opinion. No doubt about it. One of the best. So how difficult is it as a teenager, especially in high school, to to you know choose where you're going to play your college ball? What uh, what factors did you have to take in? Uh, uh, what led up to your choice? And would there have been another place besides Missouri where you first ended up um, that you would have chosen over Missouri that we could have possibly seen you in? And why did you choose Missouri? Well, 
Well, those are some great questions. And, you know, to this day, you know, you think about that from time to time about how the process uh, went back then and then as a college coach and recruiter, how, how it goes today. Well, back then, you know, there, there wasn't the, the Internet, the social media, so it was a lot more hands-on with college coaches and assistants and, and your high school coach, uh, your parents, those that uh, were going to help directly make that decision. And in my case, at the very end, uh, you know, I chose Missouri, but how did I get there? Well, over time, your freshman, sophomore, junior years, uh, you know, you you develop a relationship with every school that, that recruits you, and some are a little early and then some come on late. I think the hope for probably a lot of kids, especially growing up in Indiana, uh, you would probably, uh, if you asked where do you want to play, a lot would say Indiana, and some would say Purdue, and some would say Butler. And that's not to leave out the Indiana State, Evansville, Ball State, Notre Dame's. I, th- I think just as a kid, especially then when you were watching TV, looking to see what's taking shape, uh, you know, it's no different than, than here in Kentucky. Every kid probably wishes they could play at Kentucky. Now, you do have to come to a real realization that there's only so many spots that's uh, on each team, and, and that's got to be okay. And once you accept that, you know, it becomes a little easier. At the same time, there's always that drive to play as high as you can. So mine was no different than anybody else's. I was lucky to have uh, some really good choices to pick from. I wanted to play at Purdue growing up in Lebanon, being so close to, to uh, West Lafayette. And then they stayed on my list and continued to recruit me even during my time at Paoli. I did happen to take a visit to Indiana, living in Paoli, being closer to, to Indiana. Uh, enjoyed that visit as well. And then I took a visit to Butler, uh, being right there in Indianapolis, and enjoyed my time there. But what caught my attention was my visit to Missouri. Uh, I just felt really comfortable out there with everybody, and, and I thought that my parents did as well. Uh, looking back, I think, you know, uh, my mom in particular would have loved to see me continue in the state of Indiana, but they also knew my dream of, uh, you know, playing at the highest level. And at that time, Missouri was the number one overall seed uh, in the tournament my senior year in high school, and they were doing some really big things. So at the at the end, playing for Coach Norm Stewart, being recruited out there uh, to get to the highest level, uh, to play on the biggest stage was was what it came down to for me, and, and I was really happy for my decision. You know, you you guys, I always, you guys are always, you know, kind of, you know, keep it low. You don't want to really talk about yourselves when I have you on this program. But you know, going into your senior year, did did possibly being Mr. Basketball ever cross your mind uh, at all during your senior year? Well. I don't know if it, it was something that you think about you know, on the daily or even the weekly, but, you know, again, growing up uh, as a kid, and, and you would see uh, those that were at the All-Star game, and, and my family, uh, along with their really close friends, made it a tradition to, to go to the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star game every year. So uh, my outlook on it was, yeah, definitely, I wanted to be a good player, wanted to play at the highest level, and I did have dreams of playing in that game. Now, Mr. Basketball, you knew it was going to have to take something special. But, uh, you know, to see those that were before me, and I can remember in particular, you know, Steve Alford, 
uh, yeah, that was it was a dream. Now, you know, going into your senior year, uh, you know, the, the internet and the social media stuff, you know, not there, so you really didn't have to pay much attention to what others were doing. It was more about what your team was doing, how things were going, uh, you know, with, with that, and and yeah, scoring points and this and that kind of kind of came natural. It wasn't like back then we were an overly uh, over the top scoring team, we we were time and score all the way, and I happened to play on my high school team with another Division One player and Joe Sibbett. So we split a little bit of the scoring. It was a, a fun time, uh, you know, to be picked to be a part of that that uh, Indiana All Star team was very special. And and uh, you know, Bryce Drew happened to be our Mister Basketball. So it was uh, it was a, a great run. Uh, I was glad that, uh, you know, the Indiana All-Stars were able to reach out, and, and I had a lot of fun with that. You know, it's interesting you said uh, uh, Steve Alford. Uh, I kind of try to let you guys, uh, the audience, know a little bit of uh, why I do the shows that I do. My first introduction to um, uh, tournament ball and Indiana high school basketball was, you know, we I went to Broderpool, and in 1983 we made it to the semi-state, and I sat on uh, Broderpool's bench, and I watched Steve Alford go 25 for 25 from the free throw line and score 57 points. <laughs> I know he's... He was pretty special, and uh, you know, all the way through his college years and his pro career uh, to this day, he's somebody again that that I think people my age uh, definitely look up to for a lot of reasons. And I was fortunate enough that at Paoli, we were able to play in the Hall of Fame Classic, and and maybe to this day could be the smallest team to to win that. And then we got to play against his dad and and Sam Alford. And, I saw him the other day at the Hall of Fame, and it's kind of funny. One of the first things he'll he'll say is he he remembers that tournament also, and I I think I he gets a kick out of just mentioning that to us. But uh, uh, but what a, what a, again yeah, a special time, you know, Hall of Fame Classic, just just uh, all that stuff uh, going in, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. What was your Indiana All-Star uh, uh, experience like? And do you remember when you were uh, told that uh, you were selected to the Indiana All-Star team? I do. Um, I, I remember it very well, and and uh, matter of fact, we we had a, uh, a different All Star game that we were participating in the day that stuff came out, and and for whatever reason, uh, I don't know if it was the East West North South game, um, uh, because of my, I, I was so excited. I had a really big game. I don't know the, the amount of points that I scored, but I do, I do remember learning of that, and then the experience of the All Star. I guess it was a two-week period back then. I don't know if they do it the same or different, but it was a week up in Indianapolis and a and a week in Louisville, and uh, you know you had a little mini camp there to start it and to play with those guys, uh, you know, from different people all over the state. It, it was again something I'll I'll cherish. I mean, it's a it's a, a neat experience. I kind of hope that they're still doing something similar. And if not, you know, I, I think at least on on that Indiana side, I, I I still hope that you know whoever makes it, whoever whoever is on those teams, they they uh, they don't take it for granted. Well, hey, during that during that time period, so so now you you've you've transferred over. You're 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 at Missouri. Uh, those first couple of weeks, were you homesick? Did you feel like you'd make the wrong decision? Tell us about that first. Uh, you know, uh, uh, while you're at Missouri. 
Well, you, you go out there during the summertime and you get a you get about a month to get acclimated. So, uh, I, you know, going into to all that, uh, you learn a little bit of the conditioning, a little bit of, the, of how the weight room works, and, and of course the competition. And, and going into you know my freshman year, uh, them coming off of a number one overall seed. You know, I knew realistically it was going to be tough to play. I, I probably had uh, visions of playing a little bit my freshman year and a little bit more my sophomore than getting into that rotation, and, and that's how it, it was was looking like uh, uh, it was going to pan out that way. But my freshman year, we had an injury, and I was able to step into the lineup a little bit quicker than I thought. Now, the position that I was at, uh, I was a little bit more of a of a of probably a, a, a forward, especially when I moved down to Paoli and, and I was the taller one on the team. Uh, but I was fortunate enough growing up in Lebanon, I was able to handle the ball. So when I got to Missouri, I was a, a little bit more of a, on the perimeter type of a player and was able to sneak in there uh, so much so that, like I said, I got a couple starts, got a couple d- double digit games at Colorado, you know, at Kansas, I had 11 points. And as a freshman, you know, looking back on it, it's not the easiest thing to do, and it's and it was really fun. That was my sophomore year. You know, you start settling in, and uh, you know the the team's doing well once again. Uh, I was fortunate enough to play in an NCAA tournament and an NIT, both at Missouri. And uh, the one memory that I'll never forget is UCLA is down one in the second round, and Ty Sedney hits a last second shot on us. Uh, it's, it's one of those that you still see from time to time. They'll run it on the clips as they're playing the NCAA tournament commercial, and it's a it's not the best feeling for me. But it's something that uh, you know, for us to be in that situation just shows uh, shows what we accomplished. You know, it's funny. I lived in Overland Park, Kansas, uh, during the time that you were at Missouri, and I remember being in uh, at, on a casino boat and watching that um, the game that you just talked about with Tyus Edney doing that shot. And um, you know, uh, my coworker went to Kansas, so I always, uh, I always would always would root for the other team that was playing Kansas just to just to aggravate him. <laughs> Oh, I, I know the Missouri-Kansas rivalry well. I sure do. What What was it like? How, what was your feeling like? What was it like to you know to to beat a Bob Knight basketball team? Well, my freshman year, I, I'm fortunate enough to to beat Notre Dame, I beat Purdue, and beat Indiana. Um, you, you know, and it wasn't like I was if we didn't win those games, it was, was going to be a failure, but during I guess my time of the early 90s uh, just during my recruitment every team I just mentioned right there was really good I think the Big Ten was really strong and you know so much so that that it was it was going to be hard to get a scholarship to one of those schools Uh, lucky to be recruited by all of them but when I got to Missouri and saw those names on the schedule yeah, you did perk up a little bit, and our draw for the first round of the tournament game was the eight-nine game, and we did we we drew Coach Knight and and the Hoosiers, and lucky for us, we were able to win, but it was uh, it was not without uh, you know a battle, and uh, I had a lot of good friends on that team, uh, but then moving into the second round, UCLA, so that my freshman year was was super special, um, 
and the, the biggest you know games in during that year for me and I'll tell people this uh, to the day the, the loudest places I've ever played were at Kansas and at Arkansas Arkansas was was a national champion and, and uh, both those places you, you could barely hear but uh, uh, again a great experience and that uh, you know again fortunate that I had that opportunity you know, I wore all of my Indiana University gear to a uh, a game at Fog Allen Fieldhouse with, uh, they were playing Niagara. And I tell you, the fans treated me pretty nice. I didn't think they were going to treat me pretty nice wearing all that IU stuff into uh, the uh, Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are some great fans out there. I think that they, you know, love uh, basketball. They probably love, love seeing some different, you know, teams being supported. But at the end of the day, those guys are going to be cheering on the Jayhawks for sure. That's true. That's true. Hey, tell us about your transition to to Austin P, and tell us about the rest of your um, your playing career. After my second year at Missouri, I I, I had to uh, decide, just like everybody else, are we going to you know stick this out, and do you want to you you know, okay with your role? And, and mine in that case was the sixth, seventh man, and and you know I I really could have probably stayed there and and even had a chance at a, a starting role but I also knew that playing the 2-3 was just a tad bit out of my comfort zone versus playing the 4-3 the and uh, I had an opportunity to merge back up with my high school teammate at Austin Peace so uh, you know when I was making that decision to leave it was not easy like I said to this day you, you think back and forth well, if you would have done something different it's uh, what I use when I'm recruiting kids right now uh there there's a there's also a part of me that you know says hey what if what if i didn't even go to missouri what if i didn't go to austin p what if i went to a really small school like indiana central uh you know university of indianapolis and and uh played there i don't think uh my career or i would be defined any differently uh matter of fact you might have had a little bit more fun but uh, uh the fun part for me was was Again, to play at the highest level, but to work as hard as you can. So what I did was I talked it up with my family, and we we made the decision to to go down to Austin P. And, and lucky for me, it's it's uh, worked out tremendous. I was able to not only play there with some high school and an Indiana All Star teammate of mine. Uh, we were able to win a lot of games, and then right after graduation, I was planning on going back home to whatever town that uh, I could find an assistant high school coaching job in Indiana but uh, my head coach asked me to stay on board for a year so that one year turned into 12 and uh, we were able to get uh, you know four uh, championship rings at the same time so the Austin B move for me uh, you know I, I switched levels it was still division one but uh, it ended up being a great move uh, for me in my career. Tell us about your coach at Austin P. He he had been there for several years before you got there. You know, he recruited me out of high school, and his name's Dave Luce. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer, and his name uh, right now is on the, the the floor at Austin P. He's the OBC uh, all-time win leader. Was there for years, and he was also our athletic director. Uh, just a great competitor, a great person, and uh, you know, next to my dad, uh, he's the closest thing I'd, I'd have to a father. Uh, and we talk about it every other day. Uh, he'll give me some guidance. I worked with him for 12 years, and then once uh, my time there, uh, that, that he could see it was it was time to maybe be a head coach. 
uh, he was really influential in his encouragement for me to take the head coaching job at Martin Methodist College. Uh, so, you know, Dave, uh, uh, to this day, he's one that I call uh, when it uh, in my decisions, you know, one are based around what my parents probably would do, and he's going to be right along those lines. So he's always there for me, and I'm really glad that I got to play for him and, and coach with him. What, when did that light bulb go on above your head that you wanted to get into coaching? Was that something that you kind of thought of? Were you thinking about that in high school? I know we have a lot of other things going on in our head during high school. Were you, were you thinking about that in Missouri, or was it at Austin P? where you are like, you know, I think I, I want to coach the game? I, I think mine was from an early age. One, you know, having parents that were both educators, and then, you know, their close friends were educators. It, it just kind of seemed like uh, uh you know, not necessarily the easy thing to do. It just, it just seemed like the thing that we were taught. Uh, you, you know, uh, just learning from, from a mom and dad that, that uh, you know, enjoyed being around people, going to, you know, Friday night football games and then coming on over to, to basketball season. And when the season ends, you, uh, you know, you, you just get into the, to the school year and all the different things other than sports. And, and I just enjoyed watching my my parents you know educate not only the kids but educate and end up teaching you know teachers they they were in administrative roles so from that standpoint teaching kind of came natural now the coaching part of it I sure did enjoy watching coaches uh, as I was a kid sitting there you know on the sideline watching the Indiana high school games watching uh, the Purdue versus the Indiana matchups with coach Katie and coach Knight and then just, you know, from there. So it, it was something that I it was always in the back of your head. You know basketball, as far as playing, is going to come uh, to a close one day. And you sometimes, uh, what what is the good fit? Yeah, I had some other different options here. Uh, you know, business to, you, you know, uh, you know, interested in maybe becoming a lawyer. But the, the best fit, and probably with timing and everything, uh you know, coaching and teaching was something that I really wanted to do, and, and I'm really glad that I uh, stuck with that field. Well, what's the coaching carousel like? You know, you're, you're you're at certain places here during your career. You've been very successful. Is it, it do you continue to look, or is it people that are looking for you? For example, you know how you went from uh, the steps that you took in your career to where you are now. There really is no formula. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of luck. and But it's also creating your own luck. So from time to time, yeah, you do have to glance because the landscape, and in, in especially college basketball coaching, it has really changed. Uh, it just seems like it changes every year. And right now with, with the, the information that's out there, uh, it travels fast. And for, for me and my path, I've been sought out, and that's not always, you know, the case, but you do have to be in the right place at the right time. You probably have to have some success, and then, you know, you probably have to have a, a connection or two when it comes to recruiting. Uh, that seems to be the lifeblood, and, and, uh, but part of that is with experience, it's with trust, it's with keeping up with those that... Uh, in my case, helped me get to where I am, and there's a reason that I continue 
not to only to recruit Tennessee and, and Kentucky, but I'm heavily involved in recruiting uh, the state of Indiana, especially Indianapolis. So uh, you add all that up, is it a formula for success? Everybody else is trying to do the exact same thing. Uh, what separates you is probably, again, the balance of the ball, uh, you know, a, a point or two here. But I also go back to my roots, and I was topped by some of the best. There's no doubt about it. And I, I'll go up against anybody, and, you know, somebody from the West Coast, from the East Coast could probably say, you know, something very similar. But growing up in the Midwest, especially in the state of Indiana, surrounded by uh, some of the best, you know, coaches, whether it was my boys club, girls club coach, my middle school coaches, my summertime coaches, I could go on and on. My training has, has probably got me to where I am today, and I rely heavily on it. What What is the difference between uh, being, are there differences between being an assistant coach like at Austin P and an assistant coach at uh, at Moorhead State? What, you know, are, are they different jobs that you're doing? That there can be, you know, at Austin P. I was there for 12 years, and, and my role developed a little bit each year. I probably started out as, as just, you know, one that uh, uh, was more X and O oriented, but you have to quickly develop into a recruiter. Uh, you know, they the kids don't just come there on their own. So uh, the balance that you have to keep between keeping your mind and that X and O fresh, and then recruiting, uh, you have to you have to pay attention on what you know what uh, what you're giving the attention to and then you know year five six happen year eight nine happen uh i think it's always good to, to get a refresher but i was refreshed every day by my head coach and then always you know just kind of keeping up to uh, the landscape of the game whether it's the, the game being played off the pass more versus now it's being played off the dribble more um you have to pay attention to how you coach your kids uh you know the the practices, uh, the wording that goes into it. So, uh, you know, at Austin P, I, I probably did a little bit of everything. My role over here at Moorhead State is a little bit more of uh, probably advising. Uh, I have a real young staff that I'm I'm working with. My head coach Preston Spradlin is 32 years old. So, uh, me being 43, I, I consider myself relatively young. But when you look at at the landscape of what can happen Preston got his job at age 31 uh, so sometimes they are looking for uh, you know an assist and in my case uh, you know to come on board because I'm familiar with the league familiar with some some different things and I can take a little bit off his plate to let him have some success in, in, in being a basketball coach coach what was it like to uh, be put on the silver anniversary team at the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame well, that that's special. I, I use that word probably probably a lot. And uh, as of late, you know, it's it's uh, uh, there have been some moments in my life that have been really important. But this one, this one's up there at the top. Um, one, you know, you're representing a lot of different you know groups. My family being number one, you know, except my two sisters and mom and dad. Uh, then then they're close friends that. Uh, uh, they grew up with in college, and, and one in particular was uh, Jim Colleen that was a big influence in, in helping me, uh, you know, get things uh, ready, uh, you know, to be nominated. Uh, 
you do it for your your hometowns and in my case i've got two paoli and lebanon and all your teammates and coaches that uh that were involved in you know different aspects so when you when you get that call that you you made uh that silver anniversary team you know there's i couldn't have been more excited uh, to share that news with everybody and you, you know that stuff will, will wear off in time but but uh you know for that uh, moment in time and those uh those days that led up to it and then that day in particular uh that was a, a real uh real high point for me you know, uh, while at Broderpool, we had an Indiana All-Star. His name was Mark Lenore, and he scored, you know, I think I think 1,050 points for his career, which, you know, means you, you have to have a pretty decent sophomore sophomore year to, e- to even get to that. And a lot of people probably don't realize that you're, you're probably still in the top 30 to 35 of uh, point-producing um, in, in history of Indiana high school basketball. I mean, I mean over 1,900 points. I mean... Um, did your arms ever get tired? <laughs> you know, fortunate for me, uh, they didn't. But I had a lot of good, good teammates that would get me the ball um, at the right time, and and I did. Uh, I got to the free throw line quite a bit. I was I was pretty good around that basket. But it was, you know, lucky to be on some really good teams. Lucky that we advanced in the tournament to play some extra games. We probably. We probably didn't. I don't know what the uh, game limit is for for uh, this day and age, but you know, you, as those that play a few more games here and there, not that it's any easier, but those opportunities definitely help. But uh, in my case, you know, being a four-year player in the state of Indiana, uh, not the easiest thing to do. And uh, you know, I wasn't a 35 to 40 point score for any one of those. I was just kind of, I was just kind of steady. And uh, you know, that's probably how how a lot of teams played back then was time and score, ball control, and, uh, you know, the goal to win that game. You know, it's always interesting, uh, like, uh, chatting with a, a lot of the uh, old-timers or older uh uh, Indiana high school basketball greats. They always give each other each other a hard time. Like you know, have uh, did so and so ever pass the ball? You know, he had all these points. Did he ever have any assists? You know, it's it's always fun to listen to those kind of stories. No, it is, and uh, you know that's what probably makes that that's what makes things even at my age uh, a lot of fun because we'll visit and you know just last week with those guys we get to talk up talk up a lot of different things that that went into it but you know the one thing that uh, we'll probably all, all agree on is that it took a lot of hard work you, you know what's interesting is that you know with a lot of the stuff that i do is you know i, I will get a concentration headache by the end of an interview or the end of uh, talking with one of these uh, these guys who've done so well in indiana high school basketball and have moved on and done well also and uh, uh it, it's just so much I, you can't take it all in but you want to no doubt about it. Yeah. No doubt about it. When when you when you have a chance to talk up Indiana hoops, uh, uh, you know, it, it again. I I wish I had another word right now, but I, the, 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 all that stuff just just into one uh, is very special. So you you said uh, so you said a little bit about do you guys heavily recruit in the state of Indiana or Kentucky or just just the Midwest? How does that work? You know, with, with me, I. I, I try to draw a circle around, you know, our our location, and, and Indianapolis happens to be in that four-hour window. So, 
We have uh, we have three guys right now currently on our roster. Our uh, our all conference player Jordan Walker from Indianapolis, Jamin Henson's from Indianapolis, and uh, Justin Thomas is from Indianapolis. So we're going to have three uh, that are going to be leading us next year. Uh, all very capable of scoring points, of starting. But uh, you do it's it's uh, sometimes recruiting is how good is a certain location. In our case, if Indianapolis is really good, there's going to be just enough talent to go around. It's not going to be that case every year. And there are a lot of schools in the state of Indiana, and you know, as a kid, you have to realize, uh, or as a coach, you have to realize that those kids probably, they're probably all dreaming of, of playing at one of those in-state schools. At the same time, what we have to offer, uh, you, you know, uh, Division One, our location's pretty good. Uh, we're in a nice conference. They got two teams into the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, you know, kids kids want to play, and they want to they want to play for a staff that uh, that uh, really believes in them, and uh, you know wants them to to have that success. So we're in Indianapolis. Uh, we're in Atlanta. We're um, you know Nashville. Uh, you draw a circle around where we're at. We can get to quite a few cities that have some pretty good basketball. And, and in my case, you know, Indianapolis being home, uh, it helps me out. Where you la- where you live in Indianapolis? Well, when I was when I was in Indianapolis, we we just lived uh, just on the north side up there in, in Lebanon. But when we go back home to to visit family and friends, there's uh, there's usually not a. Uh, uh, I don't have to stay in a hotel. Put it that way. I've got enough cousins and aunts and uncles around that uh, that to when I'm up there, it's a it's a it's a good trip. Um, I know I'm keeping you a little bit long, but just uh, two more, a couple more questions here. What what are kids like today playing basketball compared to what it was like when you were playing high school basketball and college? Well, I don't think there's too much difference. You know, when it when it comes to playing the game now, the the maybe the style of the game of, of playing a little bit more off of the bounce but that's uh, that's just the game evolving um, you know the physicality of it is, is very similar I even think that you know probably back in the mid 90s uh, maybe maybe early 90s uh, it got to be where it was almost a, 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 you know a football down in the paint and, and that part has has changed a little bit to where we're we're getting to see uh, you know some finesse, some skill, and from that standpoint, I do appreciate that because we want to we want to have freedom of movement. You want to see guys score points, but at the college game, the thing that I probably enjoy is you know the different uh, different uh, defenses, the different schemes, the the uh, uh, the timeouts, the uh, you know how are we going to hold you know this person to under 20 points under their average and you know that that part hasn't changed but you know growing up i still think kids when they when they get that ball there you you probably are, see the excitement in some of those kids they're going to run straight to that three-point line and try to chuck it up even though they probably can't even make a layup <laughs> but uh uh you know i i think that 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 part of the game is still the same uh it's it's about the camaraderie about getting our, our team, our town on one page, trying to trying to win the game. And then, you know, you'll see when, when the when the dust settles, the separation, the kids that are able to play at the next level. And that's the part as a recruiter you have to figure out uh, 
figure out who can and, and sometimes who can't and and we're not always going to be right I mean you see that you see that a lot that's not only why the the coaching carousel is what it is but uh, there's a lot of people out there trying to do the same thing and uh, again college athletics college basketball in particular there's uh, there's not a better time of the year uh, if you ask me What's the squad look like for next year? What do you guys got coming back? Uh, any tricks up your sleeve? You guys going to be uh, improve upon this year? What do you think? I would hope so. You know, when, when uh, my wife and I came over here, we knew what we were getting into. Uh, before we got here, they were in 12th place of 12. And, uh, you know, that's something that you have to look at. Uh, the landscape, you don't want to put yourself in a situation necessarily uh, where, where you're not going to have some success. And, and for us, I like the talent. I, I liked uh, the kids that we were going to recruit. And at the end of the season this year, we went from 12th to uh, 5th. So we, we made a really good jump. Now next year, can we can we make another jump? I, I would like to think so. I believe so. Um, you know, the talent level's here. I, I think our schedule's shaping up to, to where we can have some success because those that – that are in this business know that you know that there's high majors that uh, that can buy games and there's mid majors that have to be bought well we have to be bought to a degree and those are games that are tough to win so you have to figure out those other games the 50 50 games and can you get those on your schedule so for next year we're going to get bought by uh, missouri where i played and we're going to get bought by butler which uh, will be right up your way now those two games on paper were uh we're helping out our budget with those, and they'll probably, you know, again, on paper, we're going to be a, a huge underdog. At the same time, we're still going to do our best. Ain't no different than like we did this year against Syracuse and Connecticut. And then the rest of the schedule will kind of take shape to where we're, we're going to play IEPUI. Uh, you know, we'll play some of those teams that are very similar level. And then you get into your conference play. So going from 12th to 5th this year, hopefully we can go from 5th, you know, to one of those top four spots. and if the ball bounces your way, maybe you're playing in an NCAA tournament because at the end of the day, that's that's what the goal is. It, it seems like, you know, non-conference, you see a lot of schools more pumped up or play better. And then when they go into the conference, depending upon the conference they're in, it seems like you have to use a different approach to, to motivate the kids. Is that is that is that a, a true statement? You know, I don't know if that's necessarily true but from from our standpoint when you do play a bigger school the, the excitement is there and sometimes you don't always see that from the big school playing the small school uh, but when you do get into a conference what happens is 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 you play each other sometimes you know twice sometimes in the tournament it'll be three times and you're you're seeing each other over and over again and you know by the end of it uh, you're, you're kind of real familiar with everybody and 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 you know whether that's uh, a good thing or a bad thing, that's 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 how our game and our system's set up. So, the excitement at the beginning of the year, I, I think so, uh, you know. But then it, it gets into where it just kind of it settles down a little bit, and then you know, like conference play probably right there towards the end, it amps up a little bit, and then and then that's why I think um, the conference tournament week or week and a half, whatever that is, that's another that's another exciting time for men's basketball. Coach Combs, thank you so much for uh, spending about an hour with us. I, I know you got a busy schedule. Uh, I do want to do a shout-out to uh, Coach David Small, who lives down in Florida, and he was an Ireland spud and made it to the, the Sweet 16 there for a small bit of time back uh, 
back home in Indiana for him helping uh, get this interview set up. But thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Best of luck next year, and uh, uh, thank you for uh, helping keep the nostalgia alive. Thanks much, Billy.